The beautiful 20-year-old was abducted as she left the university library on March 5, 2008, and forced to withdraw money from an ATM before she was shot five times. They shot four times in her body and one shot in her temple, ending the unfinished life of the university student body president. Before being murdered, she calmly asked the killers to pray with her. Welcome back to our channel. Today we will take a look at the tragic case of a beautiful 20-year-old college student and student union president of the University of Northern California, Eve Carson. She was kidnapped and brutally murdered by two thigs. Investigators have faced many challenges and difficulties to find the name of the culprit in this case. The Eve Carson case is a testament to the cruelty of the criminal world and the serial killers that exist around us. The brutality and mental instability of this killer made this case scary and haunting. The story of Eve Carson will make you feel horror and fear and appreciate your life more. Join me to discover more about this story and better understand the psychology and actions of these criminals. So please inhale deeply and accompany me on this journey into the unknown. Today, this is the situation that Eve Carson finds herself in. We will soon be back in the United States. In addition, one of the states on the eastern coast of the United States is known as the birthplace of the Wright Brothers, Krispy Kreme, and the Great Smoky Mountains. And with that out of the way, I would like to extend a warm greeting to everyone. To make this relatively brief and succinct, the state of North Carolina, sometimes known as the Tar Heel State, has a lot of positives going for it. North Carolina is now ranked 14th on the list of states with the highest poverty rates. Nevertheless, the state is moving in the direction of a more financially secure future because to the thriving business economy. Many people are moving over here because of the lovely and warm temperature, in addition to the fact that STEM industries are experiencing growth at an increased rate. But alas, this is a feature exclusive to the country's urban and populated areas. In recent years, there has been an increase in the wealth gap that exists between urban and rural areas and this state serves as a major illustration of the ever-growing enormous urbanization effect. If you take a trip to Raleigh, the capital of this state, you will see that there is a lot of construction taking place here. Its primary industries include financial services, medical, and pharmaceuticals, and in recent years, it has been a prominent player in biotechnology and other comparable high-tech research. Its core industries also include medicine and pharmaceuticals. This is because the city makes consistent investments in the medical research and educational facilities in the surrounding area. Top employers in the city include Wakem, UNC Rex Healthcare, and the University of North Carolina, all of which contribute to this success. Chapel Hill is a town that may be found to the west of the city limits of Raleigh and to the south of the city of Durham, which is also a neighbor of Raleigh. It is mostly known for being the location of a campus 
that belongs to the University of North Carolina and has a population of 62,000 people. This town is important to our investigation for a number of reasons. And why, you may ask. The reason for this is, of course, that it is the residence of the primary character in our account. Living in Chapel Hill provides inhabitants with an ambience that is a mix of the city and the suburbs, which is typical of university towns in general. The vast majority of residents here choose to lease rather than own their homes. It is no surprise that this area has a quaint, small-town atmosphere given the abundance of cafes, restaurants, and green spaces found here. According to what I have heard, Chapel Hill offers a number of fantastic coffee shops where one can grab a quick cup. In addition, there are wonderful walking routes available throughout the springtime as a result of the abundance of nearby parks and creeks. To tell you the truth, I think that being a student at this institution could be beneficial to me. The rent is affordable, the local schools have a good reputation, and there are many activities available in this area. Those who actually go to college report extremely high levels of contentment with their decision to pursue higher education. In addition, the crime rate is lower than the average for the nation. Those who are not employed by the university are accustomed to the students and their activities, be they parties or something else. They take pleasure in living in a relatively quiet and secure neighborhood. That is undoubtedly the reason why everyone was taken aback when they heard the news on March 5, 2008. It was roughly 5 o'clock in the morning. A resident in the neighborhood of Hillcrest Circle, which is situated northeast of Chapel Hill and the University of North Carolina, was startled awake that morning by the sound of a single gunshot, which revealed a scary situation. A woman's scream could be heard from beyond the tree line and immediately after it, there was a rapid succession of three Morgan shots. This sound was already unsettling. Hello, this is Rob with R scanning 911. Hi, I believe that I just heard gunshots outside in the yard. Okay, what was the total number of gunfire you heard? You heard the number four. I believe that to be the case. Okay. Have you happened to run across anyone? Actually, I was just wide awake in my bed. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Do you wish to discuss this matter with one of our officers? I really have no idea. Shots were fired in Orange County, according to a young woman who called 911 and reported hearing in shots. When exactly did this occur in the past? You mentioned that you heard the scream of a woman. Have you ever heard of anything even somewhat similar to this happening? I have heard previously. There may not have been any screams that I heard. Understandably. The resident was too frightened to explore, so they immediately called 911, and the cops who responded to the call were faced with a spectacle that made their stomachs stern. Near the intersection of Hillcrest and Hellcrest Circle, a body was discovered laying on the ground. The victim was a young woman, perhaps in her twenties at the time of her death.
However, because no identifying information was discovered at the scene, it was reasonable to speculate that robbery had been the impetus for the murder. Whoever shot this woman obviously had no respect for the life of another human being. She stood at a height of five feet and five inches when she was shot many times with a handgun. The young woman's stature was more on the diminutive side, and given her age, it was quite likely that she was a student attending classes at the nearby campus. And regrettably, these suspicions would turn out to be accurate once the news leaked out over Chapel Hill. Word spread around the town like wildfire, and after finding that their housemate had not returned home overnight, several students contacted the police in an attempt to gain some prospective reassurance. Unfortunately, that comfort never arrived, and after a visual investigation of the body, they were able to determine that it belonged to their housemate. This was confirmed by the fact that they were able to positively identify the body as belonging to their housemate, and her name was Eve Carson. She was a student at the University of North Carolina. Eve Carson was extremely well-liked, very well-known, and very successful, to put it mildly. She was a really popular person. She held the position of president of the student body. And in addition to this, she was a beneficiary of the Moorhead Kane Scholarship, which brings us to the beginning of her history. Athens, Georgia, was the location of Eve's birth on November 19, 1985. Her mother, Teresa, and father, Bob Carson, were both caring parents who gave her a secure foundation from which to go into adulthood. In addition, she and her parents, in addition to her brother Andrew, remained in Athens during the entirety of her junior year. It is not an exaggeration to say that Eve was one of the students who best exemplified everything a school or parent may hope for in their children. Not only did she maintain a perfect grade point average, but she was also extremely well liked by her classmates. Eve received 55% of the votes cast while she was a student at Clark Central High School, which was enough for her to win the election and become student body president. Not only that, but she also earned the title of valedictorian for her year, which is awarded to the student who achieves the highest GPA during the academic year. Aside from her intelligence, she was very well liked by her friends and both her classmates and her professors put their faith in her. The fact that she was elected student president is certainly sufficient evidence of her popularity and likability. Since it is said that a picture is worth a thousand words, I will spare you the trouble of listening to me babble and instead present an old video of Eve greeting students as they return to the UNC. Hey, y'all. My name is Eve Carson and I am honored to serve as the president of your student body. The town of Chapel Hill is a wonderful place to be. If you are a student who is returning to school, if you are a new student, I cannot wait to meet you again when class resumes. We are happy to have you join the Carolina family. This is room 25, one in the new student union, and it serves as the office for the student government. In addition, 
This office is here to serve you as your representative in any way we can. You are welcome to utilize the PCs that we provide. There is a facility for printing available. On the other side is another printer that you can use. And in this region, there is a significant influx of new residents. Hello, my name is Lawrence. She is a marshal for the senior class. The student government is composed of three different branches, the executive, the legislative, and the judicial. This is the office that houses both the executive branch, also known as the branch, and the student congress. In addition, the honor court, which is part of the judicial system, may be found in SASP. I am writing this message to strongly encourage all of you to make the most of the great opportunities that are available on our campus. There are an unbelievable number of opportunities for you to become engaged, ranging from campus-wide to the Millennium Village Project, to student television, to the Daily Tar Hill, to student government. You can get involved with any of these and more. In addition, I have discovered that my overall experience has been augmented by the various ways in which we give back to the areas in which we live as well as to our own campus. I want to extend a personal invitation to spend some time hanging out with me. I spend a lot of time at work, and I always look forward to saying hello to my co-workers and making new acquaintances. If there is any way that I can be of assistance to you or if there is any way that I can assist you in determining how you would like to become engaged on campus, then please stop by and we can chat about it. However, Keith Carson's contributions went far beyond the scope of her academic pursuits. During her time off from school during the summer, she took advantage of the summer enrichment program offered by Moorhead College and volunteered to serve in Ghana, Egypt, and Ecuador. During her time there, she assisted a doctor in a rural setting as a medical assistant, volunteered to work on a coffee plantation, and instructed a few locals in the fundamentals of computer use. It is possible that you can assume that Eve was more than capable of getting into prestigious universities such as Princeton and Landy, and in fact, she was even offered scholarships to attend both of those universities, which is, in all honesty, an amazingly talented accomplishment. On the other hand, in typically Eve fashion, she ultimately chose to pursue her education at a public institution. Because of this decision, she found herself in the state of North Carolina in the fall of 2004, and she enrolled at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, UNC, to pursue a pre-medicine degree while concentrating in both political science and biology. While Eve was in college, she served as the leader of a number of organizations and community service initiatives. As a result of her leadership, she was eventually chosen to be a North Carolina Fellow and participate in a four-year leadership development program. In addition to all of this, she served as a tutor for pupils at Giffen's Middle School and Frank Porter Graham Elementary School. In addition to that, she was an active participant in Girls on the Run, which is a program that encourages self-reliance and independence among young women. 
To summarize, Eve was truly remarkable in every way. She was a caring person who was also so energetic and interested in everyone that was around her. She was a born leader. And now, with her passing, she has left a terrible hole in the hearts of an incalculable number of people. In spite of the student's popularity, the community was at a loss for what to make of the circumstance because the student had unexpectedly passed away in a lonely wooded area just off campus. And despite the fact that the vast majority of murder cases tend to be isolated incidents, the absence of proof left no clue as to whether or not this would happen again. Now, it seemed as though Eve had died of natural causes. It was around 13.30 in the morning that she was last seen by her roommates. She had stayed at home to study while they had all gone out for drinks. But what exactly took place between that moment and 5 o'clock in the morning? At this point, anyone's guess could be right. The following morning, acting on information received from an individual who wished to remain anonymous, the police located her vehicle in close proximity to the location of the incident. And it should come as no surprise that they went to investigate the matter. Moving on to Chapel Hill, North Carolina, where an anonymous tip line has been receiving calls nonstop all day long. When it comes to finding Eve Carson's murderer, Investigators are following up on every possible clue. They are searching her SUV thoroughly from top to bottom right now. Her assailant opened fire on her in a residential area close to the university, then rove off in her vehicle after the shooting. Dan Bowens, who is stationed outside of the police headquarters, is where our team's coverage begins. Dan. Eve Carson's death is being investigated as a homicide by the Chapel Hill, North Carolina, police, even though they do not have any suspects in the case. A senseless act of physical violence. They have spent a significant portion of the last 48 hours searching through her vehicle, attempting to collect her phone records and bank records, and looking for any sort of evidence that would assist them in solving this case. Evidence found inside Eve Carson's vehicle may provide key insights into the circumstances surrounding her death. Friday was spent in large part by Chapel Hill police officers going through the items found within. WRL has heard that investigators are looking into two possible crimes in connection with the death of the UNC student body president, the theft of Carson's SUV and the murder. The suspect may have been inside Carson's car at some point, according to the police. On Friendly Lane, Carson had his home, which was located just one block away from the Franklin Street Commercial District. The body of the woman was discovered by the police on Wednesday morning in a residential area of the city near Hillcrest Road, just over a mile away from where she lived. Her sport utility vehicle was discovered at the crossroads of North Street and Hillsboro. The investigation has led the authorities to think that Carson was shot multiple times with a handgun at approximately 530 on Wednesday morning, including once in the right temple. Her housemates reported seeing her alive for the last time at approximately 1.30 that morning. 
The detectives are still trying to put together the pieces of the puzzle to figure out what transpired between Durham and Chapel Hill. The police also made an announcement today that they are offering a reward of $25,000 to anyone who can assist them in solving this crime. Pam, Dim Bowens lives in Chapel Hill. Thank you. The blue 2005 Toyota Highlander, which had Georgia license plates attached to it, was discovered close to the intersection of North Street and Hellsboro Street. Her body was discovered around a half-hour's walk away from that area. The vehicle was located not too far from her house, which was, of course, the last place anyone had seen her before she vanished. The address, 202 Friendly Lane, was within easy striking distance of the vehicle. Therefore, Officers were unable to determine for certain whether she had left it there by herself prior to the event or whether she had done so more recently, around the time that gunshots were heard. In the end, forensic investigators were able to establish beyond a reasonable doubt that Eve's computer had not been used since 3.37 in the morning. After more than two hours had passed since her housemates had vacated the premises, Having access to this knowledge was beneficial, mainly due to the fact that it may be utilized by the authorities in order to refine the time frame in which it is possible that she was kidnapped. And at last, after so much time had passed, a possible explanation for her murderer or murderers as well as a possible motive was found. After gaining access to her financial accounts, the investigators were able to determine that the theft occurred around 3.55 m. On the date in question, on the evening that she vanished, there were multiple attempts made to withdraw cash from her bank account, and the gap between the last activity on her computer and her disappearance was only 21 minutes. The attempted transactions took place at an automated teller machine located at the University Mall in Chapel Hill, which is located to the north of the university and is also where his body was found. Following the withdrawal of the daily maximum of $700 from the account, the subsequent five attempts to withdraw money were unsuccessful and it was in this area that the detectives made their first significant discovery. With this specific ADM being a drive through machine, you can withdraw money quickly and easily. The establishment was outfitted with surveillance cameras, and while her card was being used to withdraw cash, the camera captured many photographs of the person using the card to withdraw the money. A young male can be seen in the film. He is observed to be wearing a hoodie and a black cap. The footage is grainy, and in one of these still photos, it appears that there is a second person sitting in one of the rear passenger seats of the vehicle. Since Eve was still alive when these photographs were taken, the question arises as to whether or not it might have been her, or whether or not there was another person present beside the hooded figure. In the end, Analysts were successful in improving this photograph by giving it a greater resolution and adding color. However, it was still impossible to make out the figure or figures that were sitting in the back of the car. 
Another attempt to take money out of her bank account occurred at 4.44 in the morning on the same day. Nevertheless, none of the security footage was able to capture the individual who was responsible for the withdrawal. And unfortunately, only 24 minutes later, Eve Carson was shot five times. In the days that followed, however, these would not be the only attempts that were made. Only seven hours later, at 12.39 in the afternoon, her card was used twice more at a convenience store located on Moorhead Avenue in the city of Durham. The following day at 12.16 in the morning, as well as the day after that at her sixth location, she was followed. The person or people who were trying to take money from her account were showing an increasingly brazen attitude. And to tell you the truth, sloppy in the work that they do. And this last gamble was fraught with peril for them because, lo and behold, the fifth and last location had a camera. At 12.54 a.m., this individual was seen by a surveillance camera as they entered the Carolina Food Mart located on Alston Avenue in the morning of March 7. They approached the ADM located in the store, used Eve's car, and were ultimately denied access to the machine. The fact that this was a male figure, but it was obviously not the same individual seen in the earlier surveillance tape, which meant that they either had two suspects in this case or one red herring, was something that the officers found very interesting. Chapel Hill and Athens came together on March 9, 2008, the day of Eve Carson's burial as they grieved her loss as police investigators worked to identify and locate the people they believed were responsible for the crime. Her funeral was attended by hundreds, and back in North Carolina, thousands of people observed a moment of silence in her honor after she passed away. To tell you the truth, this young woman was loved beyond any imaginable limit. In spite of the many CCTV photographs they examined and their best efforts, they did not make significant headway on this case at first. On March 12, exactly seven days after she passed away, the police finally had a lead in their investigation. A man named DeMario James Atwater came to the attention of the police after they received an anonymous tip and saw striking resemblance between him and the image captured by surveillance cameras. To say the least, DeMario presented some difficulties. At the time of the murder, he was 21 years old, had already been convicted of two separate felonies, had committed several further offenses while on parole and was even scheduled to appear in court two days before Eve was killed. Convictions for assault, robbery, trespassing, and possession of marijuana with the intent to sell are some of the offenses that can be found in DeMario's criminal history, which dates back to 2004. While he was on probation in 2006, he was arrested for breaking into a residence for the first time since 2005. In addition to this, he was found to be in possession of a firearm while still under probationary supervision. However, because of a mix-up in the courthouse, his hearing was postponed beyond the date on which Eve passed away. His criminal history appeared to be consistent with the murder investigation as well. 
It was difficult to argue that the individual on the CCTV footage taken at the Carolina Food Mart on Alston Avenue was not DeMario. In addition to this, DeMario did not reside a great distance from the location of the incident. Living on Rosedale Avenue in Durham, which was located slightly north of Chapel Hill at the time. And when the cops found out that he was acquainted with another man named Lawrence Alvin Lovety, they observed that he looked extremely similar to the second suspect in the bank surveillance state. Both Lawrence and DeMario were dropouts from high school in Durham, and given that they went to the same school, it was reasonable to assume that they knew each other. Consequently, on the morning of March 12, 2008, law enforcement officials made the decision to pay DeMario a brief visit. We were present in the Hillsborough courtroom when DeMario Atwater appeared before the judge, accused of the murder of the president of the UNC student body. He is not the only person who may be responsible for this. Both Chapel Hill and Durham are included. Lawrence Lovett is a person of interest to the police. It is well known that he carries weapons and poses a threat. Additionally, he is charged with Carson's murder in the warrants. As of late this afternoon, a standoff had developed at the residence owned by someone with the same surname as the previous sentence. Specialized law enforcement forces entered the building and immediately began breaking down doors and windows. There has been no news yet regarding where the Lavette was found inside. Our team coverage started right now live in Chapel Hill, where Amanda Lamb has been spending the day staying up to date on the most recent developments. Amanda. Bam. As you mentioned, there have been significant new developments in this case today. The police were able to identify and arrest another person with the help of tips obtained from those surveillance video images. Now that they know his identity, the police can put a face to the person they saw on the surveillance video from the convenience shop. They allege that the individual who attempted to use Eve Carson's ADM card is one DeMario Atwater, who is years old. They got a tip from that photograph which led to the arrest of Atwater in Durham on charges of murder in the first degree. Approximately five o'clock in the morning, after he was seen leaving the residence, DeMario James Atwater, who was 21 years old, was taken into police custody and placed in detention. Curran also stated that they are continuing their search for a second. This man, who was assumed to be Carson because he was driving an SUV that resembled Carson's, was seen at an ADM inside a bank. In this picture taken by security cameras, 17-year-old Lawrence Lovett, also known as Lawrence Elvin Lovett Jr., is seen. Should always assume that the person is armed and dangerous. If residents see him, we would strongly encourage them not to approach him in any way. Just one week after Carson's body was discovered in a neighborhood close to the UNC campus, Chapel Hill Mayor Kevin Foy commended the police for their hard work, but he also reminded everyone that a cloud of mourning still havers here. Carson was found dead from a gunshot wound. Despite the fact that today's developments are hopeful, 
our community is still in a state of mourning. In order to comfort one another and to contribute to the healing of our community during this trying time, we have gathered together. However, we still have an obligation to provide solace to the bereaved family. Lawrence was ultimately taken into custody and charged with murder along with his alleged accomplice in the crime. Even though he was still considered a kid under the law at 17 years old, he had a history of convictions. Lawrence, who was already on probation for counts of theft and breaking and entering, lived in the Durham region. He was also charged with theft. And let us be honest here, with the surveillance photographs in hand, he and DeMario were both in a situation that was quite difficult to be in at this point. At the end of March 2008, a jury in Orange County, California, indicted both DeMario and Lawrence on counts of murder in the first degree. By the month of July, the charges had been upgraded to include kidnapping in the first degree, robbery in the first degree with a dangerous weapon, theft, possession of a firearm by a felon, and possession of stolen goods in the fifth degree. And despite the fact that this was already a formidable list of crimes, Lawrence was now charged with the murder of Abhijit Mahato, who was an engineer student at Duke University and was 29 years old. This was in addition to the new accusations that were brought against him. Now, I will not go into much depth about the Abhijit case because, in the end, Lawrence would ultimately be found not guilty of his killing. Therefore, I do not see the point in doing so. However, Abuja departed India in 2006 in order to enroll in classes at Duke University. On the other hand, he met his tragic end on the evening of January 18, 2008, which was only a few short weeks before Eve passed away. Abhijit was driven to an ADM machine after the burglary at his home, where he was coerced into withdrawing all of the money from his savings account and then he was driven back home. And then, regrettably, following this, the thief shot him in the face with a gun that had been concealed inside a pillow. Lawrence was put on trial for the murder of Abhijit due to some circumstantial evidence and a method of operation that was very similar to the one used in the crime. However, there was very little physical evidence that might link the two incidents, and in the end, he was exonerated. And to this day, there has been no resolution to the mystery of who killed Abhijit Mahato. Returning now to the investigation into the death of Eve Carson, the prosecution was getting ready to trial both Tomorrow and Lawrence for her murder, and of course, they would be tried independently. Tomorrow, now an adult, was in danger of receiving the death penalty. On the other hand, because Lawrence was only 17 years old at the time, he would not have been subject to such a penalty. However, because there were several murder sites and the investigation was so complicated, it would take the prosecution and the defense a significant amount of time to compile their evidence for the trial. And over the course of those two years, they would eventually find a very nasty, cynical, and cold story that was based around avarice and horribly random selection. On the morning of March 5, 2008, 
It all began in the wee hours of the morning. As a result of Avad's decision to study at home, she was left to fend for herself at home while the rest of her roommates went out for a few drinks. In the vicinity of 1.30 a.m., another student was on the phone in her vehicle on East Rosemary Street at approximately 9.30 that morning, as she was parked just around the corner. At that moment, she became aware that two males, later identified as Lawrence and DeMario, were staring at her. She got into her car and fled because she feared for her own safety. And as she pulled away, she spotted them heading in the direction of Friendly Lane, which was obviously Eve Street. This was something she saw in her rearview mirror as she drove away. According to the data from Lawrence's cell phone, his device successfully connected multiple times to a cell tower in the area. It became clear that the two of them were keeping an eye out for simple prey while they were out on bond. They were both extremely strapped for cash and decided that the only way to get the money they needed was to steal it rather than work for it. Lawrence and DeMario were completely unaware of who Eve was, and she was similarly clueless about both of them. They had never seen or spoken to her before in their entire lives and they had no prior lead or indication that she existed. But after observing her working on her homework by herself at home, they came to the conclusion that she was an easy target for their devious scheme and that they would use her as their victim. Within a matter of minutes, they broke into her house, intimidated her while holding a gun to her head, and then dragged her outside to her vehicle. Because of the activity on her computer, we know that this took place at approximately 3.37 in the morning. After that, Lawrence and DeMario abducted her and placed her in the back seat of her SUV while they went to take money from a number of different ADMs. This includes the one on Willow Drive, which is where these photographs were taken from the camera system. A second attempt was made to withdraw money from an ATM located in Northgate Mall at 444 in the AM. However, because they had already reached her daily withdrawal limit, no more money could be taken. After numerous failed efforts, they finally ordered her to walk with them into a wooded neighborhood. When they finally arrived at the crossroads of Hillcrest Circle and Hillcrest Road, she was arrested. When Eve realized that they were going to kill her, her response was to beg the two men to pray with her. But instead of doing so, they opened fire on her. Eve was killed. She was struck by bullets from two different handguns a total of four times before a sawn-off shotgun was used to finish her off. After that, Lawrence and DeMario ran away from the site, and her body was discovered by law enforcement officers later that morning. They had taken the life of a bright and beautiful young woman in a violent manner, and all of this had been done in the name of epoxy that was worth several hundred dollars each. Later on, Lawrence was able to establish that the maximum amount that could be withdrawn from her account in a period of 48 hours, which was $400, had been taken out of her account. Once the authorities had apprehended DeMario, he did confess that he was the one in the surveillance footage, and he would later tell detectives that Lawrence was his collaborator.
Once the authorities had DeMario, they were able to bring him to justice. Beginning with DeMario, he sidestepped a full trial by entering a guilty plea to all of the federal counts that were brought against him. He even expressed his regret to Eve's parents in front of the judge. As a consequence of this, on September 23, 2010, he was sentenced to life in prison plus an additional 30 years for the crime he committed. However, because he admitted his guilt on his own, he was spared the death penalty. Lawrence approached the problem in a different way. The state's allegations against him include murder in the first degree, kidnapping in the first degree, armed robbery in the first degree, felonious larceny, and felonious possession of stolen items. He has entered a not guilty plea to all of these charges. As a result of this judgment, he was required to defend himself in front of a judge and jury in a trial that started in December of 2011. Lawrence, however, was found guilty on all charges after this trial lasted for two weeks, and as a result, he was given a sentence of life in prison without the chance of release. Despite the fact that this case presented a number of challenges, the North Carolina Court of Appeals overturned Lawrence's life sentence and mandated that he undergo a new sentencing hearing on February 5, 2013. They argued that it constituted cruel and unusual punishment for defendants who were under the age of 18 at the time of the offense to be sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Because of this, the second trial took place on June 3, 2011. During this moment, Lawrence told his friend that it is okay to make errors because everyone does. No one is without flaw. I am not the evil person that you all have portrayed me to be in your minds. I am aware that this has been a trying experience for everyone who was engaged. Because of this, I would like to express my condolences to anyone who has been negatively impacted by it. It is important to me whether or not it is significant to anyone else. The judge gave him a sentence of life in prison without the possibility of parole after finding him guilty on all charges once more after extremely careful thought and taking Lawrence's powerful statement to heart. Given the nature of his nefarious conduct, this is, in my judgment, the only appropriate consequence. Since he was put in jail, Lawrence has committed seven more offenses, bringing his total to eight. It is safe to assume that his actions have not helped himself in any way. It's not like it makes any difference anyway. He will never again live his life as a free man. In a normal situation, I would argue that a person at such a young age still has the opportunity to grow from their mistakes. Although most fully grown individuals are not the same as they were when they were 17 years old. It appears that Lawrence is one of those rare exceptions. It does not appear that he is capable of being saved in any way, as his behavior is thoroughly corrupt. In addition to the murder of Abhijit Sai, there appear to be a number of other peculiar side notes to this case, starting with DeMario. But a few months later, he was taken into custody. In the early morning hours of November 8, 2008, 
His stepbrother Shelton was killed when he was in the process of attending a house party. While he and another friend were exiting the building through the front door, they were both shot in the back. Shelton was a good kid, and he did not appear to be heading down the same problematic path that his older brother had. And it is easy to understand why the information shattered their mother. She had suffered the loss of both of her boys within the span of a single year. Getting back to E, her passing brought to light a terrible defect in the way the legal system works. Both of her killers were on probation at the time of her murder, but neither of them was being appropriately supervised during this time period. This is what led to her death. In addition to this, even though the probation officials were aware that DeMario had broken the rules of his supervision, they did not revoke his probation. In February of 2008, the probation officers were able to track DeMario down and catch up with him. Following the execution of an arrest warrant issued in his name, he was taken into custody and placed in jail. However, after posting a bond in the amount of $10,000, DeMario was once again released until an appearance in court on March 3. As was previously mentioned, a misunderstanding in the courtroom led to the postponement of this court hearing by four weeks. However, the new date was never held since Eve Carson was murdered just two days after it was set. Allegedly, DeMario's main purpose and motivation for robbing Eve was to get back the $10,000 that he had lost to his bail, and it is believed that this was the primary cause for his determination. To attempt to correct one wrongdoing with another act of wrongdoing requires a certain brand of idiocy. The people we are discussing here are complete idiots. But I suppose that is why there are so many of these stories. At the end of the day, people are simply people, and the worst of us are nasty idiots. That is why there are so many of these stories. Regrettably, this situation could have been prevented if the work that the probation officers did had been of a higher quality. And the end result of all of this was the loss of Eve Carson's life. I should emphasize that Eve is still a remarkable woman today. She has always been remarkable. Those who knew her characterized her as someone who exuded joy, was exceptionally empathetic, and had a heartfelt concern for the well of others. She had a positive attitude and put in a lot of effort, and demonstrated her lack of self-interest by volunteering numerous hours of her time to charitable causes not only in the United States but also in other countries. Even while she was on vacation over the summer, Eve was constantly forming relationships with the people around her. It is very evident that she prioritized the needs of others before her own by looking at the dozens of public videos of her that are available online. And even in the closing moments of her life, she made the most of the circumstances she was in by requesting that Lawrence and DeMario pray for her as a way to celebrate and commemorate her life. The Eve Carson Scholarship was founded at the University of North Carolina, and it is being given out on a yearly basis to two juniors at the university. The scholarship is administered by students. 
It is hoped that this will facilitate a greater level of student philanthropy toward the University of North Carolina by easing a portion of the monetary burden imposed by tuition fees. Since Eve was the one who came up with the idea for the scholarship in the first place, I have no doubt that this was done on purpose. She had been advocating for this cause in the weeks and months leading up to her passing, and she did so while serving as student president. Eve was awarded both the Distinguished Young Illuminus Award and the Chancellor's Award after her death. The former was given to the woman in her senior class who was deemed to be the most outstanding student. Her funeral drew together hundreds of individuals and reports indicate that her service at Chapel Hill was attended by as many as 10,000 people. And even today, many people around campus can recall her both by her face and by her name. It is difficult to say where Eve might be right now if her life had not been taken from her at such a young age. She intended to continue her schooling and pursue a career in scientific policy, both of which intrigued her. She also accepted a position with McKinsey and Company as a management consultant after she graduated from the University of North Carolina. It is plain to see that the young woman was destined to have a successful professional life. As we are all aware, and as the events of this tale have demonstrated to us, we do not have complete control over the course of our lives. On the other hand, there are a number of things that we can do to improve our circumstances. And as for Eve, she made the most of her circumstances in every way. You know, one of the things that struck me as an important takeaway from this case was the realization that Eve was loved an awful lot. And I am aware that the use of foul language is not always appropriate. However, the reason for this is that I seriously mean it. Reading online obituaries is just one of the various methods that I use to obtain information for a case. And I can honestly say that I have never seen such a large number of comments made for a victim. The number was close to a thousand for E. After only a few days have passed since this film was uploaded, the 15-year anniversary of her passing will soon arrive. In addition to that, she still gets a number of comments each month. And even after interacting with a number of people who live in the immediate neighborhood, they have confirmed that Eve is still well known in the vicinity of the school. Unfortunately, Eve's life is a story that will never be written down. An account of a narrative that was poised for enormous success and positivism, but, in the end, was lost for several hundred bucks. I am going to put an end to this discussion right here, folks. I believe that I have adequately told the story, although, of course, I could have talked for much longer about her accomplishments and how far she has come in her career. What I want to know from you is, what are your thoughts on this matter overall? Do you believe that if the probation officer had spent more time working with DeMario and Lawrence, their deaths could have been prevented. And I have one more question for you. Many people still insist that it was Lawrence who killed Abhijit. Do you believe he is the culprit? Anyway, 
That's all I wanted to share about today's Eve Carson case. Thank you so much for your interest in this story. If you haven't subscribed to our channel, I hope you can do so to support us. I will be back with a new investigation shortly. However, until that comes, remember that you need to protect yourself, help each other, and take any risks. Thanks and goodbye.